the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. You know, I don't have a previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast because I recorded over the previously, but with something we're going to play later on in the podcast, and I actually intended to wow. play the old open, and then I know you'd say, why are you playing the old open? And I was going to say, because I have <laughs> something on that button. So uh, we'll get to that because it's an interesting topic that I would imagine will get us a lot of listenership this week. Uh, from our uh, friends in the state of Michigan, and it has nothing to do with Jim Harbaugh. It has to do with the other team in the state of Michigan that you are an expert on, and that is the Detroit Lions, who over the uh, weekend fired head coach Matt Patricia and general manager Bob Quinn. But, of course, we first want to welcome everybody to a Monday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. You're back from Cincinnati, where the Bengals had a chance to beat the Giants, but did not do it because of a uh, strip sack fumble did you hear out from midfield did you watch it? i did not you should I hear was, how i ended uh, it at the osu uh basketball game at the covelli center me and 40 of my closest friends nice yes how did you uh punctuate the ending to that so field? the uh alex erickson mm-hmm. returns a punt about around the midfield nice return i saw yeah, that okay so they got a chance yeah right? they do, I mean, and, they, and you know they're fighting and i got some thoughts on the Bengals here mm-hmm. because of a couple articles that came out that were disparaging Toward the coaches and everything, and um, the next play, Jamal Sheard comes Brown. around, uh, strips Leonard Williams, recovers, ball game, mm-hmm. and I'm just saying, and that's the Bengals doing Bengals. That's their season. Bengals gonna bangle, and that's one thirteen and one, Bruce, in oh, one possession games. Yikes, that's not good. So, but I was thinking about it, and I, I, I talked about this on the air yesterday a little bit. Uh, I took some liberty to editorialize for a second, mm-hmm. and I said, "Look, whatever came out comes out. It comes out, and Carlos Dunlap's ticked off, right? Or John Ross is ticked off. Then they say things that has the, as they view it, what they see the situation has. But my eyes tell me something different. Um, the Bengals are, are they play really hard? Now that wasn't the case last year or Marvin's Lewis's last year. No, it wasn't. They just and they're improving." They're a better team. Now, obviously, when you remove Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow, you know, their chances of winning are going to go down. I thought Brandon Allen played okay mm-hmm. for getting uh, three days of practice in <laughs> with the team, with mm-hmm. the with the guys he's actually going to play play against. Uh, very respectful. They just can't run the ball. And that's, you know, the offensive line, I think, still has issues uh, from, from my perspective. They weren't bad in pass protection yesterday, but just could not run the ball as opposed to watching the Giants who can run the ball but I as far as like college atmosphere this that uh, I didn't sense that I didn't see that I, I see guys playing for each other and I talked about leadership and as from a coaching standpoint and um, I was talking to, I ask every coach every week what's your philosophy on re- leadership and all of them said honesty and truth and tr- truth and accountability you might not like it but that's the way it's the only way to do it. And, you know, what you like to present all the time when you talk about leadership is that I ask the uh, coordinators and the head coaches and everything is present a vision, right? Mm-hmm. What's your vision? And then you have to go try and get it. But that vision cannot be accomplished if the house is divided. And so I didn't sense any of that. I didn't see any of that. Uh, I think Zach Taylor's learning, and I think he's getting better. And I think they're, they're, they're just – some guys away, I mean, personnel-wise. Yes, but they, they play hard. I think Von Bell's had a pretty darn good year for them. Von made some nice plays yesterday. I'm not just saying that from because he's, uh, he's a former Buckeye 
I think he's doing some things. There, Mackenzie Alexander. It's Mackenzie. I come to find out, not Mackenzie. Okay. Mackenzie Alexander uh, is playing really well this year, in my opinion. William Jackson is playing. Jesse pretty, Bates. Jesse and, Bates. And Jesse Bates. So that back end is is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. They did a nice job. They just Geno Atkins is hurt. I mean, he's trying, but he's only plays gives you eight or nine plays a game on third down. But he's just not the Geno Atkins that he's um, paid to be. Yeah, and you know Sam. Sam is a is a really solid player, but he's not an edge rusher. Just not. No, Sam Hubbard's a nice player. Sam Hubbard's the kind of guy you have to have about uh, twenty of those kinds of guys yeah. on your team. Then you're really, really good. But if he's your top end, yeah, you're going to so, struggle. Yeah, but uh, but other than that, you know, but uh, hey, I was just happy we got the game in. I mean, the NFL was crazy yesterday. What happened in Denver was insane. I think the NFL actually sent a message to the whole league. Through Denver, to be honest with you, well, they sent one through the Saints for sure. Well, seventh round pick and five hundred finding them, and yeah, the Patriots got fined. So yeah, uh, I don't know if it's optics. I don't know if it's serious, but they're serious. So uh, we'll see. I don't know how that Denver game came out. I saw Taysom Hill rush for two touchdowns on the highlights. I didn't 31 see thirty-one to three. Thirty-one to three. Well, good for the kid they well, signed I, from I, Wake I, who got him a field goal. I was just I'm driving out here. I was listening to the interview uh, of the kid and and. Could you imagine? I mean, you know, he played a little quarterback at Wake Forest. Yeah. His last touchdown pass was against Clemson in 2017. Mm. Probably the last time he took a quarterback snap, Probably. to be honest with you. You get up and say, okay, you're starting quarterback in an NFL game. And you know, it takes a little bit of courage to go out there and do yeah, that. Sure, absolutely. So yes. I commend the kid. And, and I do think, I absolutely think that the NFL is using them as an example. What happened was... Um, the quarterbacks were together. One of them tested positive. They didn't have mask on, although the quarterbacks did say that they were properly socially distanced. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. There's the rules. Nope. And, Contact and, tracing? Well, I, I think this with the NFL, and you and I talked about this. There's there's certain things. If, if you are going to work within a corporation and you're going to work under the umbrella of the NFL and you agree to follow the rules and the protocols that the NFL set out, then you have to follow them. Yeah, you do. If you I, don't follow them, then there's going to be repercussions and consequences. And that's the way it has to be. Like, for example, uh, yesterday, down in Cincinnati, uh, I'm up in the press box. Everybody in the press box, it's a very limited amount of people. There's probably four or five people in there, in a pretty decent size press box, okay? You know that I had COVID. You know that Kevin Kugler had COVID. Right. The two guys that are the stats and uh, Kevin Spotter are tested uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning twice, so they're clear. All right. Uh, the other support staff, they're not near us. They, they're not allowed to come near us unless it's absolutely necessary. Then they immediately remove themselves. So they're with us for ten seconds. So anyway, I get there very early, as you know. I get mm-hmm. there about nine thirty in a one o'clock game, mm-hmm. and uh, guy walks up, Chris. Uh, I've been told by somebody that when you're not on the air, you have to wear a mask. And I am the only one in the booth. The only one in the booth. All alone. You're a threat to yourself. I'm a threat to myself, and I'm going to give myself that I can't give. Yeah. You're (laughs) going to give yourself something you can't get anymore because you've already had it. So, you know, my initial reaction, again, and we talked about my lessons I learned last week, my initial reactions, you know, Ooh, the heck. Yeah. You know, and I said to myself, look, I accepted this job. Right. Fox wants me to do this. If the Bengals want me to do it, 
I'm here working, and if I don't want to do what they want me to do under the premise of why I'm working, then I'm free to leave. Yep. So yep. I did it. I was at the uh, Covelli Center yesterday. I was with a colleague who had a gator on, you know, one of those things you wear around your neck, and he pulls oh. it up, and he had it over his nose and over his mouth, and a usher came up and very nicely gave him a mask and said, I have a mask. I need you to wear this kind of a mask. And he said, I have one of those masks. I'll go put it on. So he did. So, I mean, and I don't blame, I don't blame anybody that's delivering a message. No, they're the, they're just, as you said, the delivery mechanism. Yeah. So there we go. All right. So we will, uh, how about Chubb? Yeah. Nick Chubb and the Browns get a victory in Jacksonville. And, uh, oddly enough, uh, after the game, the Jags GM got fired. David Caldwell. Yes. David Caldwell. Doug Marone was assured by the owner, uh, Mr. Kahn, that he will be around for the rest of the year, even though Doug Marone is the reason why the Jags came up two points short yesterday. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in the course of the game, the Jags scored a touchdown at one point and kicked the extra point. Mm -hmm. The Browns were penalized on the extra point, which moved the football half the distance to the goal. And Doug Marone decided that he would violate the oft-cited coaching no-no, take points off the board. He took the PAT off the board. They went for two. They didn't get it. Then he started chasing. So then they lose by two because at the end of the game when they scored, they had to go for two to tie the game, and they didn't get that either. So what a stupid move by Doug Marone, although as a Browns fan, thank you, Doug Marone, (laughs) because the Browns are 8-3. and Not uh, and Nick Chubb was the reason why they're eight well, and three because yeah. Baker Mayfield was very average again. Okay, but he didn't turn the ball no, over. He didn't. threw for two hundred yards and two touchdowns in, in weather where he missed a bunch of guys. Yeah, I, I agree. He missed uh, Kareem Hunt on that key. Yes, he did in, in the flat there. I thought Kareem Hunt was solid too. I think he averaged six yards a carry. They're good. They're good. Their I, running I mean, backs are good. Their lines. You know, good. that's the thing. You know, you. I don't know if you watched anything. I, I, Aaron Rodgers continues to absolutely astound me on, on how good he is. To be honest with you, but I, I digress. They don't need Baker to win games. They need Baker to make plays when plays need to be made. Won't they, they are, eventually need Baker to win? It depends. Games? It depends. In the playoffs, won't they? Eventually? It depends. Not if they can run the ball like they're running. Oh well, yeah, right? but do you think against good teams they're going to take well, that away? Well, it, I mean. But Baker's perfect. I think in conditions, right? I mean, obviously, look, it's not just Baker that struggles in the weather that Cleveland had. It's every quarter. I've That's been true. there. I watched Derek Carr struggle. I watched yeah. other quarterbacks struggle. Look, his job is, is the identity of this football team is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Austin Hooper was back, caught a touchdown pass yesterday, and, and uh, Jarvis Landry had 140 yards. Good game for Jarvis. Yeah, I mean, that, the thing is that that's – that's the beauty of the Browns, right? It, it can be Kareem Hunt one week. It can mm-hmm. be Jarvis Landry when OBJ's healthy. It can be yep. him. It can be Austin Hooper. Yep. It can be Baker Mayfield. That's why they're a good team because they're difficult to defend and difficult to match up against. Yeah, Hodge and Higgins can make catches. Yeah. You know, they got guys. They got guys. So we'll see. Uh, they'll get Miles Garrett back this week. And uh, the Brownies are right at this moment a wild card team. So good for them. Eight and three. Is eight and three is eight and three in the are NFL. You, all right. That's the other thing. You only beat Jacksonville by two points. Doesn't this, matter. This, I mean, I mean, you agree with me on that, it's right? A pass fail league. It's a pass <laughs> that's fail it, league, right? That's, that's it. pass it's, fail. You're, it's you're not, right. Yeah, it's not an ABC. You league. know, it's I'm a pass fail. I'm sitting there watching the or watching the scoreboard in um for the Vikings, just kind of watching what's going on there during mm-hmm. my game, and their half is about uh 
a little bit ahead of ours. So they start their second half. We're still in halftime. So I run down to the bathroom, come back. And when I left, it was 10 to 7. When I got back, it was 21-10, Panthers. Wow. 13 minutes left in the third quarter. So I start hitting the TV thinking, yeah, what's the matter here? Is <laughs> somebody down in the truck just trying to get Messing me in a with bad, get me in a bad mood? Well, what happened was, this is crazy. Patrick Chin, rookie, uh, kind of the hybrid defensive player when you see now, safety linebacker guy, recovered two fumbles in consecutive plays within 10 seconds. That's rare. To, and to return them both yeah. for touchdowns. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, I did, did not hear, see you, that. Did you hear about that? I did not. But the uh, Vikings came back and uh, won actually game. won a close one They did because the Panthers missed a field goal at the end. Joey Sly pulled to the left, the strongest, biggest kicker in the league. Mm. And uh, the muscles didn't help him there. Mm. No, they did not. <laughs> no. Uh, good morning to Nick on Facebook, who says that you had the quote of the day yesterday when the Bengals returned to kickoff for a touchdown. You said uh, he put a move on a kicker, which is not hard to do. Did I say that out loud? You must have. You must Brandon have Wilson, man. I, that I, was a pretty sweet return. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm glad. I, I kickers just probably despise me because I, I, I kind of drill them. Well, you have some longstanding, yes. deeply held <laughs> issues with kickers dating yes. back to yeah. 1986, 85, 86. 86, yes. Uh, Christopher enjoyed your funny line, too. Nobody enjoyed it more than you and Christopher. No, I'm, I'm pretty uh, subtle when I give my lines in football. Yeah, some, most of the time. Sometimes I laugh at my own stuff, which I know annoys the heck out of people, but I don't care. I need entertained. Yes, of course you do. Uh, by the way, today is uh, the last day of November, which means you have 15 days, 16 counting today, to get your health insurance squared away. And AUI Info is the company that can help you get it squared away, and it's so easy to do. You go to their site, auiinfo.com, and there's a chat that happens right there in front of you. They'll pop right up. You make your appointment. You ask your question. You do whatever you need to do. You find out about your health insurance, whether you still have the doc, the copay, the hospital, all those things that you want, the benefits you need based upon where you are in your life. Maybe if you've had the same insurance for 10 years, you no longer need certain coverages like maybe maternity care or something like that. Get what you pay for and get what you need when you're paying. But one thing you won't pay for is AUI's help because AUI and all health insurance consultants are baked into the cost of the policy. So it is free. They're compensated by the insurance companies. Get the help from the experts who know Chrissy, Steve, Julie, all the people at AUIinfo.com, AUIinfo.com. Great people, great service, and it's free. So it's one of the few instances in life where you get more than you pay for AUIinfo.com. All right. Uh, it's two men in a basement. Yes. NFL consulting. Today, it's two men in a basement and an elephant in the room. Shall we wait to address the elephant in the room, oh, or shall I mean, we I, uh, move to the Buckeyes first, or shall we just do the elephant in the room? The well, elephant Buc in the, there's nothing to report on the Nothing Buc to report on the Buckeyes, except that they didn't play, and they may not play this week at Michigan State, why? although they may. Why, why wouldn't they? Well, because we don't know how many guys they have test positive, and they don't give you the details of numbers or personnel. So could they have played last week? They could have played, and I Why don't for the they? life of me don't under. Well, I mean, I guess safety. I guess safety. We'll get to that. Let's get to the elephant, All room, right, shall ahead. we? Okay. You're so excited about this? I am very excited about this. Uh, as are many people listening to the podcast today, very huh. excited about this because your Twitter was uh, ablaze 
my uh, text messages started to uh, pile up about whether I'm going with you to Detroit. <laughs> and I'm like, why would I go with him to Detroit? Why is he going to Detroit? And they're like, ah, you did not see that the Lions fired Matt Patricia and fired Bob Quinn after right. a Thanksgiving Day loss. I don't know who they lost to. Forget. Houston Texans. Houston Texans, yes. Deshaun, oh, now I remember watching it. Yes, the Texans had their way with the Lions. Uh, so Matt Patricia did not duplicate or even approximate the success that he had as a defensive coordinator in New England, which is not uncommon to Bill Belichick uh, assistant coaches. But the Lions are now looking again for the magic formula. Jim Caldwell, nine wins, not enough for them. They went to Matt Patricia. He didn't get even close to that. So he is out. And they are looking for... And Bob Quinn, who was a general manager. Bob Quinn, Patriot, yes. uh, Patriot guy. Right. They were package deal. Well, okay. actually... Can I just... Yeah, of course. Bob Quinn uh, came a year before. Oh, okay. Well, they Bob were... Bob Quinn was the one who uh, let Coach Caldwell go mm. and then hired Coach Patricia. Okay, wonderful. There you go. That definitely ties the two together. And when he, Bob... Patricia was his guy. Bob Quinn's quote wasn't he was right. There was no wrong in saying this. He's right. Uh, nine and seven isn't... Good enough. Nine and seven isn't good enough. Yep. It would be better than Matt Patricia, who was not popular with players who came in with more bravado than I would prefer a first-time coach come in with, but that's all water under the bridge mm-hmm. as he is now uh, on a boat out of town. And so the Detroit Lions have a head coaching vacancy and a general manager vacancy. And outstanding, phenomenal tremendous wide receiver Herman Moore took to Twitter to endorse none other than the man sitting across from me, Mr. Chris Spielman, as the next general manager of the Detroit Lions. So if you missed that, uh, here is Herman Moore in his car uh, giving the reasons why Chris Spielman would not be like the um, quintessential bad Lions GM pick, Matt Millen. Takes Herman a while to get going. If there's going to be a new GM, that I felt a guy like Chris Spillman would be probably the most appropriate person to bring in. I know some of you have kind of pushed back against that theory, thinking that it's just another Matt Millen type move, and that's that's really not the case. And and I can I can easily clarify that. And here's the reason why: one, Chris Spillman is respected by the organization. He's respected by the players. He's respected by the alums. He's respected by the fans. And when you come in and you have that type of respect from day one, that's a big plus for any organization. The next thing you have with him is the fact that uh, here's a guy who has played the game. He's played it at the highest level. Yeah, he he was in the booth like Matt Millen. Yeah, he was also a former linebacker like Matt Millen. But that's about where it begins and ends. This is a guy who does not like to lose. And he's not going to accept losing. He's not going to have excuses be because our team got off to a bad start or because our team had injuries. This is a guy who played, he was a throwback player and he wasn't going to allow anyone to make any excuses, even when we played. So I know you got a good leader there. Herman went on, but he said very nice things about you. Now I find this interesting in that you and I have been friends and colleagues a long time and you have, occasionally mentioned Herman Moore to me, but you have not mentioned Herman Moore to me like, hey, Herman texted me the other day or so-and-so. You know, you'll occasionally mention, hey, this guy texted me or this guy texted me. I have a pretty good idea who your friends are and all that stuff. And you're unique in that you don't have 
at least not that you share with me, a lot of guys you played with that stay in touch with you on a regular basis, like I stay in touch with you, like you and I commiserate. I have a very, uh, and I don't know why, I've always been like this since high school, I have a very small circle of uh, people that are, that really, really, really know me. Yeah. And, and but, but which is fine. But, but that's sorry. fine. But Herman, that's why to me this has a lot of weight is that you and Herman are not pals. You didn't call Herman and say, hey, Herman, why don't you go on social media and put me up for that job? I know that didn't happen. No. And so I thought that was quite flattering of a former teammate of yours who you're not buddy-buddy with, not that you're at, at, at all at odds with Herman Moore, but that he really genuinely believes everything he said about your ability to do the job. First and foremost, that had to make you feel good. I was talking to my youngest daughter about this last night, actually, and the one that I would least expect to have this type of conversation with mm -hmm. because she's just not into sports, which is cool. And she's in other things, and I love her dearly. And was just she's 18, so I'm starting, you know – you start having more adult conversations mm -hmm. and and I said to her, um, and I did you know, I thought I knew this. Look, I knew when I was playing, I don't I don't think I was really pop well liked. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, because it was all business. At a high standard. All the time. Yeah. And I held myself to a certain standard. And that's that thing about leadership, about being accountable and you know, for the most part, I think I tried to live to my standard. There was times where I let myself down, I let my team down, which happens to everybody. And I and and she goes, well, why would your former teammates want you to do this? And and I would say, I just say to her, I, you know, Aj, I, it it was never for me. It was never about being liked. It was about one common mission and one common goal. And I think. And this is confirmed, and I was really flattered by what Herman had to say, um, that the guys respected my approach. And that means the world to me because that's, I wasn't interested in being liked. And all I ever wanted was my teammates' respect. And all I ever wanted them to know was that all they got from me was all I had to give. And, and I think that's the case. And so, I mean, it's a very unique situation and you know certainly something like that it, it's it's obviously interesting i don't think it would ever come to fruition but it's obviously interesting but it would you know i'm a, uh, you know some i'm a pretty common sense oriented guy um i'm pretty practical mm -hmm. and i'm real and so that would have to be something where you know i'd have i'm smart enough to get smarter people around me and yeah, I don't think you're I'm an not and I'm not threatened by smarter people no you're around not me. you're definitely not uh you would of course have to the, a lot of the questions that I've seen on my Twitter is does he know the salary cap you get guys to know that stuff it's you don't have to job. know the salary cap Chris is not going to be the salary cap maven but here's a couple of my thoughts um number one I know you love the Lions and you have an expertise in the Lions beyond the normal walking in off the street candidate in that you have been doing Lions preseason games and Lions uh, TV and radio for a long time. You know, you do that as a matter of course of during the season. So you know 
you know their personnel. I have a lot of respect for the Ford family, too. They've always been uh, really, um, I'm just kidding, really good people. You have experience and expertise around the league. You see a variety of people around the league because you've been on Fox for, what now, five years, four years? Uh, six, yeah, six. five years. Okay. Five years. So there's that. There's precedent in the league. The league likes to be copycats of things that work. I would say that John Lynch in San Francisco is working. I would say that Mike Mayock in Las Vegas is working. Guys who, in and around the game, played the game, did TV, bring a different perspective to it. That can work. That has worked. That is working. All those things, if you're trying to build a case for you as GM, makes sense. So, the obvious... uh, Family gifts. Your brother Rick is a really good GM with the Vikings. I do think it would be a very interesting dynamic if you and Rick were, instead of competing in the bungalow in Canton or in Maslin, uh, you'd be competing in the same division. Not sure how those conversations would go because you don't want to tip your hand to him and he wouldn't want to tip your hand to you. But I uh, would like to see the football version of. pain games play out yes. in the GM ranks or the breath-holding contest at the uh, bottom of the Scioto Country Club swimming pool yeah. where you cheated by looking at your watch so you knew how long you had to stay down to I, beat Rick. Some people call that cheating. Some people call that getting an edge. There you go. Uh, there, that was never stated in the rules <laughs> that I couldn't look at my watch. So, <laughs> thankfully, you survived that <laughs> I ordeal. Survive. I didn't so die. So you can yes. be a candidate for the Lions GM I, I'm job. I'm not a candidate for the Lions GM job. <laughs> I'm not a candidate You're for the You're not a Lions. candidate. No, I are th- you like Lyndon Johnson? If drafted, you will not serve. <laughs> Look, I think it's. I mean, I'm flattered that that even came up. It was. It just it was kind of um, fascinating to me in this age of social media that my Twitter for three straight days, <laughs> either it's a f you, you're an idiot, yeah. or I love you, you're a genius. Yes. You know, there's no. That's the beautiful thing, I think about me. Not, I'm, I'm not, I don't say that, but here's the thing. Um, and it's a little bit biblical, you know. Um, I don't think I'm lukewarm to people. I evoke either you like me or you can't stand me. Yeah. There's no in-between yeah. with me. There's no in-between, yeah. at least off of social media. And, you know, for, for Herman to say those things was really nice. I've had other uh, former players just call and chat about the Lions with me and—, and you know, I, I I participate on their website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a segment, and look, I make no mistake. I'm a, I'm people that know me. You know me. I'm a humble guy. I have zero ego when it comes to football. Zero. They're all about the winning. I'm all that. about the I winning. Know that's that. it. Not about that's, the credit. You're about the winning. All about winning. And and. In order to win, in order to have a team, a good team, and this is just my philosophy. And first of all, everybody's, you talk about a vision, everybody's got to have the same vision. Everybody's got to be tied to it. That's good. That's easy. That's the easy part. The hard part uh, to me is when you, when I see good teams play and I see good coaches coach, they get those guys to play for each other they're not playing for them they're playing for each other they're mm-hmm. playing for their guys and when you have that type of camaraderie and that type of belief and when you have the players believe 
that the coaches are there for one reason and one reason only. And this is how you become an effective coach in the National Football League. Not from any experience or, well, from my experience from a player to coach is when that coach tells that player, I am only interested in making you better. I have no other interest, Mm -hmm. nothing, because when you're better, we're all better and we have a better chance of winning. There's no other agenda on my plate but to make you the best possible player I can do and to put you in the best possible position for you to win. So, I don't know. Would I be asking you to give up trade secrets or betray a friendship if I said, give me your perspective as someone who's been close to the Lions, evaluates the Lions, does it from a media perspective, why did it not work with Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn? Um, I, I, I mean, there's, I, I mean, at times he felt like it was going to work at other times injuries can, I've learned this about this year, injuries in, in COVID and life situations can never be an excuse because everybody deals with it on a weekly mm-hmm. basis. I mean, uh, I was just talking to Rick two weeks ago. They, they, they started two corners. They brought up off a practice squad that were, they brought in the week before. It was only with the team for two minutes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I, I don't know enough, Bruce, to make a, give you a uh, honest thing. I think when I watched them, there were times they were really good. There were times they were really bad. So they were, they were inconsistent, uh, obviously. Um, and I think one thing I learned this year, the teams that provide their own energy, what I talked about, mm-hmm. playing for each other and their own enthusiasm. I mean, I don't know if you watched any of the Thanksgiving Day game. I did. I watched it, it with the sound down. It almost looked like it was torture. Texans had energy. They didn't. It, it, Lions it, didn't. And, and Texans were 2-7 and seven or 3-7, yeah. and seven, the whatever. Lions play Thanksgiving every year, yeah. so they should have been into the prep well, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, even though there's no fans or anything, I just think, I don't know. I mean, I can't, I can't answer that question because I'm not around the program. I'm just... Uh, whatever I say is just pure theory and just observation. Okay, well, is not is it at all something that you have thought about in the past? Like, if I were a GM, this is how I'd build a team. This is who I like as a coach. This is all. Is that mindset completely divorced from your mindset as an analyst? No, I have philosophies on football. You've t- uh, you've you've talked. Uh, I've talked to fly. I think I you know I believe in if. I mean, this is just, I'm not talking about what I would, I'm just talking about philosophy. Yeah. I, I love what Kyle Shanahan does. I love that type of offense. I love pounding the football. Then I run bootlegs and play action off of that. Uh, I love a running quarterback, a mobile quarterback. And you have to have corners in this league. You have to have defensive backs. If you don't have defensive backs, you don't have to. I, it used to be back when I played, you build, this is just a philosophy. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I believe you build from the outside in. You don't build from the inside out. That That is my theory because of the game and the ball being tossed around. Now we're starting to see a little bit of shift again, a la the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. all the San Francisco 49ers. Take a look at the Rams and what type of offense they run. Take a look at the Saints who are starting Taysom Hill mm-hmm. over Jameis Winston who has thrown for 10,000 yards or whatever, mm-hmm. turn the ball over, but Taysom Hill – they're running basically a wildcat offense, and everybody knows they're doing it, and nobody can stop it. Right. So physical is the number one thing for me 
and but you have to have you have to have speed and you have to have guys that can play in the nickel or the slot and corner guys you just that's why we see every year i tell you you know we we had that conversation should the browns draft bradley chubb or denzel uh, ward that denzel ward and you know either or right because for me it's it's okay if chubb's there i'll take him if ward's there i'll take him but i i that's my theory of building from the outside in not the inside out then up front you know i see the teams that the Cleveland Browns, when I came back the first time, I said, that offensive line is so good, Bruce. Then I watched the Cincinnati Bengals. That offensive line can't move it, mm. anything. It's not They can't. And, of course, you know the quarterback is the number one. But my philosophy on quarterbacks, and this has been one since I've been a player, played against great ones. As you know, played against mm-hmm. Dan Marino. Um, Brett Favre. Brett Favre, uh, Steve Young. And I hated – playing Steve Young because you didn't have a chance. Troy Aikman is a great quarterback. But with those guys that didn't run around a lot, you had a chance. Guys that run around a lot, it's tough. But look, man, I, I think that's it's such it's I've, you know, not been approached or anything like that. But I I'm humbled that my former teammates think of that. It makes you think <laughs> I'll tell you the the only cool feeling I had the cool feeling I had about it was I was sitting in a hotel room, and all of a sudden, my thing phones going off, and this and that. And the only feeling I had was a little bit of validation that uh, I did it the right way, mm-hmm. even though it didn't feel like it at times. Mm-hmm. I did it the right way. So well, that's cool. Go. So, all right, but one last thing: Do you promise Lions fans who would be nervous about you and Matt Millen having some similarities? You promise right now that you would not draft a first-round wide receiver three years in a row. <laughs> three years in a row. No, not three years in a row. Charles Rogers, Roy Williams from Texas. Yeah, I can Calvin see Calvin Johnson, the Hall of Famer. Calvin so Johnson, he, on he got one. one. He hit on one out of three. Yeah, there that, you go. That's good. Good memory on uh, the Charles. I just uh, remember Charles that. Rogers from Charles Michigan Rogers. State. Number two. Him and Jeff Smoker was the quarterback. <sighs> the aptly named Jeff Smoker. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Yes. Very good, sir. All right, uh, your attorney situation is buttoned up and tidied up for good if you go with Willis Spangler Starling. They are our attorney firm because, first of all, what's number one with us? Integrity and character and expertise. Those three things you have to have in an attorney. You don't want to end up represented by somebody who will disgrace you, who doesn't know the field, and who is ill-equipped to handle any kind of situation that crosses their plate. Well, you won't have to worry about that with Willis Spangler Starling as they have expertise across a broad range of legal issues, including, of course, all the biggies like workers' comp, personal injury, wills, estate planning, on and on and on. WillisAttorneys.com is the website. They have an informative blog where you can... uh, Arm yourself with the knowledge that you need regarding your legal rights and protections. Willis, Spangler, Starling, Truman Boulevard, and Hilliard. Make sure you read the mission statement on the wall, and you'll know the quality of the people that you're dealing with at Willis, Spangler, Starling, their website, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. All right, Ohio State did not play at Illinois, even though it could have. I, I yeah, I, I still don't know why Said, they didn't I play. I guess they felt like by playing, they could have, they would have perhaps... They said expose Illinois would not have been fair to Illinois to go over there. But if you go over there with guys who test negative, I I mean, I get the point that you don't – maybe they didn't feel like they had an adequate handle on the 
problem within their own ranks. Here's what I'm thinking. They test every day. So maybe on Thursday they had a certain number of tests. On Friday they had a certain number of tests. Let's just and we're I'm speculating. Sure. The number of tests increased from Thursday to Friday. So they're so the rate of increase more, yeah. alarms them in that if we go over there tomorrow, we might have guys who test negative in the morning, but by nightfall they might have <laughs> you know more numbers, and we've now exposed Illinois to a situation. And as you know. I'm not sure. Crazy Big Ten view of it is, you know, we got to look out for your neighbor as much as you do why, yourself. Why are they not on a 21-day quarantine like um, well, Wisconsin? Well, first of all, the guys who test, as I understand it, are. The guys who tested are. They just don't tell us who tested. So we don't know who it is that's tested. But as everything I was able to gather yesterday at Ohio State from talking to people with the school and people who covered the people school. People still talking to you? Yes. <laughs> They are. I'm very good. This is the wire the masks come in handy because they can't tell who's talking to them. They have no idea who it is. So I sounded familiar. <laughs> you know, so the guys who tested positive are, as I understand it, out for, if they play it, Michigan State this week in East Lansing and the Michigan game. Can't play. 21 days on the shelf. But they did not have a number of tests in excess of the 5% number among players, players yes. that results in an automatic cancellation of the game. Okay? So they have shut down their facility. They're spraying Scrubbing it all out, down, yeah. hosing it all down, hazmat suits and a whole business, I'm sure, so that in hopes they can get back in there by late in the week, practice... They're hoping Thursday, walk through Friday, play Sparty on Saturday. Yeah. But it should be noted that the other teams in the league who have had to pull out of a game, Wisconsin, Maryland, I might be leaving a team out, have all, once they missed one week, missed a second week. Okay, so if they miss a second week against Michigan State, now they are at five games max in the regular season, and unless widespread cancellations happen throughout the rest of the league which would drop the minimum number of games the average number of games played by every team in the league below six they would presumably be out of the big 10 title game but not out of the playoff because don't forget this year when the big 10 championship game is played on december the 19th all the other teams in the Big Ten, unlike previous years, will also be playing yeah. that weekend. They're calling it championship weekend. They're going to match up the second team in the West against the second team in the East and the three and the three and the four and the four on on and on. So it looks like, let's say they're not eligible for the Big Ten title game. They would probably get Wisconsin on championship weekend, which I would argue would do more for their playoff hopes than playing Northwestern. The Northwestern locked that Northwestern up? is pretty well in charge of the Big Ten West because, A, Iowa's lost twice and Northwestern beat them. Okay, yeah. so Northwestern would have to lose three to lose a tiebreaker to Iowa. And Michigan State just beat Northwestern. Correct. Michigan State just beat How'd Northwestern. I have no idea. <laughs> Rocky Lombardi. Rocky the Great. Rocky hit two passes. That's he was how good. It yeah, He's he on fire. Uh, so, and Wisconsin's ineligible right now because of minimum number of games played. 
So if it's not Iowa and it's not Wisconsin, Minnesota's had a terribly disappointing year. Right. So it's going to pretty much have to be Patty Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Wildcats. So for playoff resume, for optics, I would argue beating Wisconsin is more impressive than beating Northwestern. So not not playing in the Big Ten championship game, and say they only played seven games. Well, they would have only – that would be the championship weekend game. Let's say they miss another game. Say they miss this week against Michigan yeah. State. If they play the next two, let's start with that. If they play the next two, they're fine. Right. They've played six, and they'll be 6-0. and oh. If they play only one of the next two weeks, they'll be at five games, presumably not eligible for the Big Ten title game, which would end their streak of three straight outright Big Ten titles with an asterisk, but it would still end it. Which it's unfortunate, but it's not a huge deal. They would still be eligible for the playoff because they're going by eye test in the playoff. They're not going by minimum number of games. So then they'll say they play, they beat Michigan and they beat Wisconsin. So they're five and zero, five and six and zero, six and zero. They'd get picked because they're not going to pick anybody else in the Big Ten. There's nobody in the Pac-12. There's nobody in the Big Twelve. Florida looks pretty good to me. Yeah, but how many SEC teams are you going to take? Uh, Florida, Alabama. Let's say Clemson, Clemson beats Notre Dame. They're going to take Clemson and Notre Dame. They should. Yeah. They're going to take the SEC champ. And, I mean, if Florida goes to the SEC title game, they either beats win the championship and get in. Now, here, this, I guess this would be the danger. Yeah. Florida beats Alabama. Florida, that's the one. That's the one. So you're going think. to take one loss Alabama over unbeaten 6-0 and Ohio State? Yes. You would? Because they played more games? Yes. Okay. And Ohio State beat who? Well, you can only beat who you play. I I'm, okay. I know they're in a crappy league. I'm not league. trying to get started in arguing. No, I know. You're, I'm just looking at it realistically. I mean, you're, you're putting it's not Ohio the, State's fault. It's, it's the Big Ten's fault. This is odd in that you're taking the Bruce Hooley role and I'm taking <laughs> yeah, the Chris Spielman role. This bizarre one. Yeah. But I, I'm just trying to look at it honestly. Like I, I'm, I'm watching Florida play and I'm watching Clemson play and I'm watching Alabama and Notre Dame play. And, you know, I think the ACC is much improved. I think the ACC is better than the Big Ten this year. You can argue that. North Carolina would waylay everybody in the Big Ten except Ohio State. I mean, so I'm I'm saying it's not Ohio State's fault. Ohio State's great. It is Ohio State's fault. They've just crushed everybody into ineptitude. They just have. They've just demoralized (laughs) everybody. In recruiting, yes, and that's on the right. field too. Well, I'm just saying it starts with recruiting and it translates on. The field. Yeah. I don't know. It's something that I would be concerned about if I was Ohio State. Yeah, they will have to be concerned about it. You know, sure. and uh, here's here's the um, here's the cool thing about this whole, and it's it's playing out how I hoped it would. The Big Ten, everybody, you know, I get it. Some of the rules are a little different, and among there's no universal rules amongst college football. I get all that, but. You know, people think every time there's a COVID case, I get, I look on Twitter, cancel the season. Yeah, I know. You don't care about these players' health. Know. You know, I, not one player. I don't think maybe maybe one has been hospitalized, but I I, I just think the NFL and the, I, I just want to say that it is admirable their job that they're doing. They're actually thinking about now. I don't know if they want they don't want to do this, but they've. If they have to, they'll add an 18th week, mm-hmm. and the only thing you do then is eliminate the week in between the Super Bowl, the off week that mm-hmm. you have. The other thing I heard, 
and I don't know if this is true or not, but a playoff bubble. You just isolate the teams in a hotel, which I think makes – when you get to the playoffs, I, just, I think it makes all the sense sure. in the world. absolutely you? does. The NHL so. had great luck with that. Um, I think they played the NBA season, although I paid zero attention to it, so not sure about that. Uh, Matt wants to know if the two men in a basement consulting is heading to Detroit. Matt, you'll have to go back and listen to the podcast if you were not with us from uh, the 20-minute mark on. We spent a lot of time on Mr. Spielman as the – Next Lions GM. Know. If I did that. He says I, he's not a candidate, but he did not go Lyndon Johnson. He did not say, if nominated, <laughs> I will not serve. Um, They'd be crazy not to talk to you about what you think about people around the league. I hope they do. I fully anticipate that uh, that I'll probably get a call. Hey, what do you, you know, who, what do you who, think? Do, you, who do you talk to? Who, you know, I have a couple guys in mind that I'm not, I've talked about them before, mm-hmm. but I, I just, not going to mention them now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, the Bowdens say that you'd be a great GM for any team. Football knowledge sets you apart. You're only as good as your people. Well, the only way I'd have any chance of being a great GM if, if I'm surrounded by, you're right, by people. And, uh, you know, I think one of my strongest traits that I have is that I'm never threatened by people that are better at me than something. I'm never threatened by that because I know it's just a great opportunity to learn. Like, Bruce is better at me than radio <laughs> in cross-country. I was going to say, look who you're doing a podcast I, Yes, I know, Bruce. Yes, we are great. We <laughs> love you. Yes. I couldn't the answer. You would have done it to me. 98-9, the answer, 5-7. to seven. There you go. That's right. By the way, who did you book for guest for today? Anybody? No, no. I'm sorry. You're, your producer you're might have to actually in your work producer today. duties, yes. I, I, I had the guy for you. I, I'm trying to get the guy. We'll get him. We'll get him. Did you... Uh, did you ever reach out to him? Uh, no, you did not send me his email. Yes, but I, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I didn't I, get I, it then. No worries. No, I sent it like that day. Okay, well, I'll go look in my uh, inbox. Maybe, you, maybe you landed in my spam. No, I sent you. <laughs> you landed in I'm my sure spam I did. Forward. Yes. I'm sure. <laughs> um, no, I, I highly doubt I, that. No, I sent it to you. I texted to you. Okay. Oh, you did. Okay, well. Ah, that could be it. Yes, you, you may, in fact, have texted I, it to me. Yes. All right, so... Um, I maintain, speaking of minimum number of Ohio State games, I maintain that the Michigan Wolverines will not play the Ohio State Buckeyes final game of the year. Why? COVID. Get now. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> A colleague of mine yesterday said, oh, you're crazy. They'd never live that down. They won't do that. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, Jim Harbaugh will be licking uh, bathroom lavatory countertops <laughs> in order to spread COVID throughout his football team. Uh, in hopes of avoiding a 75-point beatdown against the Ohio State. Did you watch any of the Michigan? I listened to it. I listened to it while I was outside uh, cutting wood and doing all that kind of stuff, Uh, the normal stuff that I do on the weekends around here. Can you look at the top text message, tell the people that it – you see the content? Yes, I do. Okay. can you? That doesn't mean it went through. Can you apologize to the people? I apologize to Mr. Spielman <laughs> and to the Spielman family and the Spielman heirs both now and in the past. And in the future. And in the future. For <laughs> yes, ever doubting his uh, producer duties. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't think – I mean, they're Michigan's two and four. They got physically dominated <laughs> oh, by 0 and 5 Penn Man. State. I mean, just, it's interesting to listen to them 
on their Michigan radio network because Brandstatter and Dan Deerdorf yes. are two linemen. Yeah. And they're old school and they know what Michigan was. Two really good guys. And they too, really the like Jim Harbaugh, as they should, because Jim Harbaugh is old school Michigan and he knows what made Michigan great and he knows what it takes to win football games. And it yeah. is, as you said, physical superiority and dominance is at the heart of football success. And they can't do it Mm-mm. defensively or offensively. And it crushes Deerdorf and Brandstatter to watch it. <laughs> And have to talk about it and have to tap dance for two large men, not an easy thing to do, around the fact that Jim Harbaugh is just not getting it done. They don't want to say it because they like Harbaugh. He's a, there's a brotherhood of ex-players, and they know that he knows. Yeah, they, but they don't knowing need- it and being able to coach it and being able to develop it and being able to recruit it is not happening up there. Everybody... I mean, that's something that, yeah, everybody knows that. Like, Jim and, and Dan don't have to sit there and say it. It's already known, right? That's all they talk about. Yep. Here's the question that I have for you, and I I, I don't know this to be true or not true. Uh, I I would have to think about it and look at it. But Mike Golick and Dave Pash were doing a game. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave is a really good friend of mine. Yes, he is. So I texted him because Mike said... And this is Mike's feelings, and it could be right, could be wrong. I'm just curious on your thoughts. I, I I'm not sure. Well, Dave was talking about okay, we we've got to talk about you know that the game was running down the future of Jim Harbaugh. Yep. And Mike said that there'd be a lot of NFL teams that want him. And I'm I, and I said I you know maybe but, as what as head coach yeah as head coach. I don't agree with that statement. Uh, well, my thoughts were this. Look, Jim, I, when Jim got the job, and, and Urban rightfully pointed this out to me, I guess you were. You missed. and everyone else said the same thing. Yeah. I said the same thing. Because I thought it'd be great, right? Absolutely. And he did a great job with the 49ers, so maybe he's more suited to coach in the NFL than he is to coach in college. I'm just Maybe it just fits better. But I do know, and this is just hearsay. Well, I've actually, there's been quotes about it, but. Jim, you know, he. I thought he'd be more suited for college because, you know, after four or five years. Where's then? Yeah, and just, you know, maybe some, some people can say that about Urban, like at four or five years, and that's why he's so successful. Or I know people say that about Saban. Yep. You know, we had our time, you know, and so I, I don't know if he can go back to the NFL. I, I, I think. Well, there's a job opening about 30 miles to the uh, east. <laughs> I I am why would you take I don't know how you sell that to your fan base. Yeah, you take your Michigan fan who's your Detroit Lion fan and every Michigan fan and Detroit Lion fan are the same person. Yeah, and I don't know how you if you can't build a physical team and culture at Michigan how you could be expected to I build mean, one in the NFL. It's it's it's, it's different and and Jim's had great success in the NFL. He has, has he had super, great success in college before he got to Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, he was great at San Diego, he was great at Stanford. Did a great job. Yeah. The ongoing just, mystery the, the goes whole, on. Well, the ongoing mystery, which is no mystery, is his inability. A guy that played the position, fierce competitor on the field. I've talked to you about that many times. Yep. Oh, I love playing against the guy. Fierce. And just will give you everything. And I remember the game. He was quarterback of the Colts, and we were in the Bills. And we came after his rear end. And I got to tell you, man, we hit him at least 15 times. 
And that's before the you know yeah before he guy. couldn't touch a quarterback. So there's Bryce Pop and Bruce Smith and Ted Washington and Phil Hansen and Sam Rogers and uh, Damian Covington and myself and just keep pounding. And I looked across the huddle and I said, I have great admiration for this man because he keeps getting up. Yep. And that's that's the one thing about Jim, man. He he's you can beat him up. He ain't, he ain't going down. No, and that's the difficulty of up. navigating the end of his tenure at Michigan is that I don't see give up in him. I don't see him surrendering. No. you got to push him out the door. And because of what he did for Michigan as a player and because of the fact that he's beloved. He is beloved. I mean, there's coaches who people don't like because they don't win and they don't like them. And then there are coaches who people really like, but they don't win and they know they have to go. He falls into the latter category. I just don't know how they navigate the optics of that and keep him in the fold because they don't want him – they don't want to throw him under the bus, and they don't want it to be ugly. It's already ugly. They don't want it to be uglier. Well, yeah. But they have three great candidates, in my opinion, for that job. Any three would win. Um, Campbell. One, Matt Campbell I'd put number one because he's been a head coach longer. Toledo, Iowa State, he's doing a great job. He's a Maslin, Ohio guy, right? Uh, Matt is from – yeah, from Perry. He went Maslin Perry, yes. Okay, so he – He'd recruit Ohio, which Michigan has to do. Has to. They're not doing it, and I don't understand why, because it's never been easier to get good players out of Ohio than now with Ohio State (laughs) stealing all the great players from Texas (laughs) and everywhere else. So Matt Campbell would be a home run. Jeff Halfley, in my opinion, would be a home run. It's a risk. He's only been a head coach one year. I've been around him. He's got charisma. He's tough. He'd radiate with kids. Halfley do a great job, but he's a one-year head coach, and he just got to BC, but his AD left, so I think he'd be willing to listen. And Luke Fickle, and yeah, Luke, I I just yeah. I don't put Luke one just because Luke's Columbus through and through. It, it was, the only place I would put Luke, there's a couple places uh, where he would fit. I think the one place he would be a beautiful fit would be Penn State. Amen. I think Penn State is for Luke a perfect job. Yeah, he would. The Pennsylvania coaches would love him. He'd get to know the coaches in New Jersey. He'd recruit the East. He'd recruit the Midwest. He'd still get guys out of Ohio. He'd build a physical team. The low key nature of life in State College, I think. But a guy, a friend of uh, mine, asked me a really interesting question about Luke. He said, "Are there any parochial schools in State College?" And I looked it up, and there really isn't a DeSales equivalent that i could kids? find online why does all his kids go yeah there? i'm sure they would yes yeah, well i don't, I don't know where do six they go? kids yeah. i would assume that they would i'm sure the catholic education is important to yeah. luke and amy uh so that would be interesting yeah. there are however four amish schools in state college <laughs> if luke would be interested in uh converting over to the, the mennonites <laughs> oh, come on over the amish <laughs> Yeah. That's Amish territory, Where's brother. Luke? Uh, he's he's, 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 in, a, he's a horse and buggy. Horse and buggy. Here he comes. Clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. Here he comes. <laughs> Wanted to read this email that we got. Podcast at gmail.com. James in uh, North Carolina. He says, hi, Bruce and Chris. Several months back, I nominated my niece to win some of the COVID-19 relief funds. I asked you to pray for her. as She was either never saved or was very far from God. My nomination was picked. Bruce read the nomination on the podcast. I'm sure people heard and prayed about the situation. She got married in September, and the minister that married she and her husband led her husband to Christ, and she is now professing faith in Christ. Thank you for your podcast. Wanted to let you know you guys had a part in seeing at least one person saved. Uh, I love how he said it's seen 
one person. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. cool. I you sent that to me, and that yeah. that's really humbling when we get those. Yeah, that's why we do it. So uh, awesome. Okay, so we covered the Bengals, Browns, Buckeyes, the Lions, um, Buckeye hoops yesterday. Pretty uninspired performance. You've said this of the NFL because without fans and the typical experience. You have to, as Dabo Sweeney once famously said, bring your own guts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just watching that game yesterday in the Covelli Center. Beautiful building, by the way. Um, they just didn't create any energy. They didn't sustain any energy. They were really pretty fortunate to win that game against UMass Lowell. Um, they'll play Wednesday at 5 at home against Eastern Kentucky. They'll be back in Value City Arena. Maybe they'll shoot better. I don't know. But it's going to be a weird year in college basketball sure. with no fans, no parents, and all this kind of stuff. It's like watching a scrimmage. It's hard to get into it after the game. It's just dreadful. You're not in the same room with the people you're interviewing. You get one question. That's just – it's just it's, the whole experience this year is it's, just it's, – It's awful. You do the best – like, uh, you know, I, I thought one of our executives at Fox had a great line, and I've used it all year in – I actually sent him a a note about it and thanked him for it because I didn't think of it like this. And he said, look, nobody likes this. We all get it. You know, but our key is this. We all, as a company and as people that love the NFL, we have to embrace the inconveniences of this job this year. And it's really, you know, for doing a job, I don't moan or complain I do say because I'm just – I was telling Kevin Kugler before the game yesterday, dude, this is 12 weeks, and you would have told me back in August, and you told me, hey, you got at least 12 games in this year. I'd say I wouldn't – I don't know if I would have believed it or not. Yeah. So I'm very grateful that I've been able to do my job this year and uh, very grateful that I was amongst the 99.5%. I'm not being snarky at all. I'm very grateful that my whole – all my family members at had COVID, we were amongst – people that uh, some were sicker than others, but nobody required hospitalization, and we all recovered, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, embrace the suck, basically, then move on. Yep. Uh, By the way, December is right around the bend. Tomorrow it dawns. Christmas will be here before you know it. And so before we transition into the faith portion of the podcast, let's help you with those... uh, Difficult decisions on, I don't know what to get so-and-so. I'd like to send a corporate gift to these guys, but what are they like? Everybody in the corporate world loves coffee, and most of the people that you know and love love coffee, but they may not know about the best coffee out there. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, a great company. They buy their coffee from growers around the world. The growers benefit. They get more than they would if they went through government sources and middlemen and all that, and Hemisphere brings you the best coffee in that exchange right now they have special gift packs price ranges twenty dollars and on up check them out hemispherecoffeeroasters.com a sampling of their christmas flavors frosty's favorite a blend of cinnamon and graham cracker flavors java jingle rich macaroon cookie flavor dusted with spiced cinnamon and a nutty hint and mistletoe mocha christmas and mint combined for a great holiday flavor so they have many others and they of course have their staples which spiels loves house blend hunters blend all the different flavors many flavored coffees direct from growers light medium dark roast you can order the beans you can order the roast you can order k-cups go to their website use the promo code we tackle life in all caps you'll get 15 percent off great people fantastic coffee and a great mission hemisphere coffee roasters.com 
Very good. Go ahead. Uh, I was uh, awakened this morning just thinking, Lord, really give me something good to talk with the people about. So I went through the journal that I've written over the past year and a half, and I uh, searched the scriptures. You should turn it in a book, by the way. Pardon me? You should turn that journal into a book. I think so? Okay. Yep, I do. I've thought about it. May work on that over the uh, Christmas holidays while I'm in Arizona. Oh, did I say that out loud? That's Where are you leaving? It's one of the states they're not allowed to go to. Uh-huh. Um, let's not tell the burglars when I'll okay. be out of the house. The dogs will still be here. All right. How long are you, do you, can you tell me how long you're going to be gone? Uh, I'll be gone about a week. The rest of the fam will be gone longer, but yeah. I'll be gone about a week. Okay. So I started with my most instructive parable. It's not a favorite because, you know, there are lots of great parables. I love the parable of the sower and how the seed is scattered everywhere the seed is the gospel, and it's the same seed. It's not like some soil got better seed than others. You can buy a higher quality seed. The gospel and the parable of the sower is the word of God is spread everywhere. And some people, being the uh, analogous to the different kinds of soils, some people respond to it differently. Some people get really excited about it initially, and then their excitement burns away. Uh, some people it never lands on, never sprouts. And then there are others that it they're analogous to good soil. The seed grows strong and yields a, a great crop. And um, for a long time in my life, I was either rocky soil that the seed never penetrated or I was very shallow soil that the seed penetrated and made a difference in my life for a few weeks, a few months, maybe even in some cases a year or so. and never took root. It's hopefully taken root deeply and is yielding a harvest here in the last uh, year and a half which I personally can become discouraged about that in terms of time wasted. God's not discouraged by that. God's just like working on you all the time and wants to bring you to a point where you're fulfilling his mission. And so while I see my failures and while I have regret, he does not because his love for me is such that um, he doesn't remember my past failures. He wants me where I am right now. And I thought about how beautiful that is, how much of a, Chris, you said before about how you're a second-chance person. And you've always been, when we've talked about athletes who do stupid things off the field, stuff like that, I'm like, ah, off with their head, be done with them. <laughs> and you're, like, always ready to give them a second chance. So you really have a, a deep extension of forgiveness for people that I struggle with most of my life. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, a verse came to my mind that speaks to that waiting that I've made God wait on me and my failures to let the seed sprout earlier. And it's Romans 12 too. It's do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And for a long time, I let the world get into my thoughts and get into my attitudes and get into my actions and I responded to anger with anger, to resentment with resentment, yes. to bitterness with bitterness, uh, to immorality with immorality and words and not very often with deeds, but still with words and attitudes. And, and yet all that time, God's love and patience for me stayed constant and strong. And he kept pulling on my heart, pulling me toward him. And honestly, I believe he crafted the circumstances of my life to bring adversity into my life at different intervals 
to call me back to him, to make me rely on him when I got too self-reliant. And um, I have a friend who says life is lived forward, but understood in reverse. And there were times I was going through things that I didn't understand why, except that the frustration, you know, just bugged me. And I can look back now and I can see in adversity, it wasn't pleasant, but it was necessary because I would not trade the disappointment, pain, misfortune, whatever you want to call it. I would not trade that because all of it helped bring me to where I am now, which is I feel very appreciative. And I'm just blown away every morning by the fact that I can just sit in my chair and when I'm ready to quiet all the things in my life and talk to God, listen to God, communicate with God, he pauses and meets me. And that's amazing to me. The God of the universe has time for me (laughs) and wants to enlighten me, wants to comfort me, wants to, you know, occasionally reprove me, you know, sort of rein me in, but I need it. And uh, those moments over the past, well, almost two years now, have been very precious to me and will always be precious to me. I saw in my father a great deal of spiritual growth in the last uh, decade to 15 years of his life. And Thanksgiving morning, I was thinking about my dad because it was his birthday. He would have been 94. Mm. And I thought about um, some of the tough times with him. And I thought about him at the end of his life, and I saw that growth in him, that patience ingrained in him, that tenderness and compassion that as a boy growing up, I didn't always experience. (laughs) No. And I I um, laugh because this is your experience is a lot of other people's experience. And I just thought, you know, I, I choose to remember my dad, how he was at the end, and I thought, you know, not only do I remember him that way, God views him that way. And I'm so glad that uh, God is so patient with us that he gives us that chance to remake ourselves by that over and over and renewing over. of our mind over and over. And I'm sort of rambling here, but it's just a, a compilation of my thoughts uh, at Thanksgiving, which you try to think about what you're thankful for. I'm so thankful for my family, for my kids. My dad always said that on Thanksgiving. He would always say how much he was thankful for his family, how much he was thankful for mom and his wife and but I know that my father grew so much spiritually, and I just find it so beautiful and so atypical of humanity how God loves us. He doesn't get tired of our screw-ups. And so if, you've, if you are beating yourself up today because of something you've done or something you failed to do or whatever, um, you think you're not good enough, you think you could never be accepted at all, I'm telling you you're wrong. God's love is boundless. His patience is endless. His forgiveness is unbelievably um, welcoming. And um, so that's what I have. Okay. Um, Well done. Just while you were talking there, I was thinking as a son, thinking of my dad the same, and as a father, thinking of me and how much I've changed with patience and understanding, not only as a father, but also I think as a person. So for Thanksgiving, for me, I just I just want people to remember, and 
I always like to um, I'm going to say something. I want to make sure that I've experienced it. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, after I left here, I was in an area, and there were two small businesses that I've frequented most of the time since I've been back in Columbus. So I just stopped in, and they're hurting. Mm. And I felt so awful because the the crazy thing, it's nothing that they did. Mm -hmm. They didn't screw it up. And one guy, 40 years, another guy, 20 years, and they're being destroyed. And I was just telling the family that, you know, we all should be thankful because we still have an opportunity to work and earn in visiting these gentlemen and their families. I didn't visit their families, but just the guys and and to see the uh, look of desperation, helplessness, and frustration, anger uh, on their face because they didn't do anything wrong. Mm. It's not fair. Life's not fair. They get that, but to to work your whole life to build something from the ground up in a, and to keep it going and to, you know, hopefully pass it on um whether it's, you know, there's, you know, you can think of it one way or another and regardless the bottom line is they're losing, and I'm not sure they had to mm-hmm. for the type of businesses that they run. <clears throat> well, we hope that uh, you guys are encouraged by today's content, and uh, we'll stand that by. That wasn't very it. encouraging. Oh, no, I just okay. I mean, but, you know, but, but I, I just want you to pray for those. Yeah, by pray the way. for those people. Yeah, uh, we'll stand by to see if uh, Mr. Spielman is. Uh, you are aware. Make the Lions aware if they want to interview you that uh, you have a. Very, very cost-prohibitive buyout here with your podcast partner. Would you let them know that, please? The coattails have yeah. been <laughs> dragging for a lot of years now. Uh, I have been. <laughs> Why would I stop something that's worked? <laughs> Just kidding. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Patronize our sponsors. Send us a re- an email. Nominate somebody for COVID-19 Relief. Spielman Hooley Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>